Welcome to the Maternity and Midwifery Hour, brought to you once a week by the Maternity and Midwifery Forum. This podcast is supported by Matflix, video streaming from maternity experts. All your CPD needs made easy. If you need to get your revalidation done or have a student project to complete, Matflix is the one-stop shop. Welcome everybody to this week's Maternity and Midwifery Hour. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is the last in the series and every single week we have something fantastic and this week is no exception at all. My name's Sue MacDonald and I'm the curator, I love that word, of the Maternity and Midwifery Hour and the Maternity and Midwifery Festivals and it's my pleasure to be chairing this evening's session. Um, and I'm joined by Dana Colburn and Sam Perry. And they should shortly appear on the screen with me. There they are. And we, because, and we always do this to our lovely guests, is we start them off with asking them for a nice moment of the week. And I'm going to start with the birthday girl, our Sam Perry. <laughs> so, Sam, yes, your moment of the week. <laughs> Please share it. Thank you, Sue. Yes, so it was my birthday yesterday. Um, and I think my memory is my husband got me theatre tickets for a show I've been wanting to see for years. So I'm really excited. And I'm going on Tuesday. <laughs> and that's close enough to your birthday that it really does feel like a birthday treat. Ab- absolutely. It's not months down the line. He did very Excellent. good at planning. <laughs> Though I think birthdays should last longer than a day, personally. I think we need to stretch mm. them out quite right thank you for that Sam fabulous and Dana can you share your moment of the week yes um I'm I'm gonna I'm maybe a little bit sarcastic here (gasps) so if I can um it hopefully it'll be a bit funny my husband travels so he has gone away the first week of the Easter holidays and left me with two teenagers so so, but the highlight of the week is I had highlights done I had my hair done I feel a new woman Oh, fantastic. It's those things that make a difference for us. Well, those are fantastic ways to start with us. Now, before we move on to the main meat of the, I'm sorry for the vegetarians amongst you, the main part of the <laughs> evening, I'm just going to just remind you where the Maternity Midwifery Hour came from, just for anyone new with us this evening. We've been around now for three years, and that's because we started when the pandemic started and with lockdown, where we realised that midwives and student midwives needed some manageable and digestible form of getting information and education and continuing professional development at a time when we couldn't have study days, we couldn't have conferences, we couldn't have festivals. So we started the Maternity and Midwifery Hour, and we're still here. And it's been, I suppose, the the subjects have changed a little bit. Um, but I have to say, for me, the theme has been from the very start that we've had some superb speakers, many, most of them midwives, talking about innovations and practice changes and the things they're doing in day-to-day practice, education, clinical, whatever. And it's been fantastic and a real privilege. And tonight will be no exception. Um, and of course, if you are a midwife looking at revalidation and, and getting out all your papers, just have a look at Matflix because this evening, just like every evening that we do, and all the maternity and midwifery festivals is recorded. Everything is recorded. My my colleague Neil Stewart will, I'm sure, tell me how many thousands of hours we have now, but it's a lot, a huge bank of information so if you're doing any project work if you've got assignments to do if you've got revalidation have a look at Matflix and it's free unless you want to have the subscription which is also fantastic where you can have actually quite focused box sets to access with um, lovely reflective activities which is designed by our lovely Jenny Hall and you can access that but everything can be free and you just access this enormous amount of information from people and use it in your revalidation or just to update yourself. It's fantastic. And we love you to share. So if you enjoy this evening, which I know you will, share with your colleagues, students, anyone who's in maternity care, because that's who it's for. 
Um, and I want to say a big thank you to our wonderful students and our wonderful midwives and our colleagues in maternity services for all the work they're doing now. It's a hard time, and I keep saying that, but it continues to be a hard time. We're a bit short of staff. They keep changing the numbers of which we're too short of, and it varies from anything from 2,500 to 3,000. It feels like more to me that we need, and I'm hoping that in the future, when they come up with the uh, workforce kind of plans, they might have a, a really good proper number that we can really provide our excellent care and, and not suffer the shortages that we have now. So a big thank you to everyone who's working away and look after yourselves. And I'm going to say that at the end as well. So take it seriously. Now, this week, I have to do my little news features. It's still um, Ramadan and I'm learning all about Ramadan a lot better. And I, some of that is a big thank you to Fatima Mohammed, who's got a lovely article on fasting and Ramadan during pregnancy and breastfeeding, um, a personal journey. And that's through the Maternity and Midwifery Forum. Really interesting. And you get a different view about it. And we talk a lot about this in, in, in the media. Oh, it's Ramadan and the people are fasting. Uh, and... People have lots of ideas about it, that these folk who are Muslims are not going to eat for a month at all. But of course they do, but it's in, in a, a, a different structured way. And it's a very important time for Muslims and very spiritual. And there's a lot to be learned. And that article I would really advise you to have a look at. It's really good. Also, it's Passover from today until about the 13th of April. And of course, it's our Easter for Christians. So it's a quite a busy time for people and very, I would say, a very spiritual time. And I've said that word already and I'm re reinforcing it. I'm also going to um, highlight that this month is International Caesarean Awareness Month. And in UK, I'll just remind you, one in either three to four births is a caesarean section now. And it's important to be able to support families, women and families to have a safe and a positive experience. And I'll push you towards the all four maternity um, resources because they've got a whole lot at the moment because it's that month that you can access, really good. But also check out the Virtual International Day of the Midwife. Now all of these are on your resource page, so that's very useful. Um, also, there's something else on that resource page, which is something Sam is working on. And there's a little link there that you can go to. And I suspect she might mention it in her session <laughs> a bit later. So do have a look at that. And if you're a student, um, do contribute to that because that's what she's wanting for her, a piece of work she's doing. Also, I'm pushing you to have a look at this is some homework for you. I like to give it. Um, this is me being a teacher. There we are, some homework. This is the three-year delivery plan for maternity and neonatal services. And this came out last week. It's also, there's a link on your resources page. It's not too hefty to read. There's a summary and it starts off with compassionate and therefore safer care for women and families. And I would suggest for midwives and student midwives also. Also supporting the workforce to develop their skills and their capacity and developing a culture of safety for all and meeting the standards. And ha having sort of reading that, I also was reminded, and I've also, I think that's going to come up on the uh, Facebook link. I was just re-looking at a video clip by Florence Wilcock. And if you haven't seen this, it's a TED talk. She is fabulous. This is an obstetrician who is talking about birth being special. And it is fantastic. It's 20 minutes and it's just great and if you kind of need to have a little recharge of your midwifery batteries have a look at this and again the link is on your resources so I'm going I'm, I'm going to sort of start off there leaving you with your homework because I, I think this session this after this evening is going to be really interesting and we're going to be looking at a student-led model of learning for student midwives in the form of student-led postnatal care or postnatal clinic. Now, that's two things that are going to, be, going to be very important. One is the student-led bit of it, and the other bit is postnatal care, because we've talked about postnatal care and the need to have better care for women and their babies. So this is 
very close to my heart here. And um, we're so we're going to learn about the Smile Clinic, which provides student-led postnatal care, supported by midwives in partnership with women and families. So I have a lovely double act, and I'm going to introduce them together. Um, and the first person is Dana Colburn, who is, a, she's been a community midwife, she's been a midwifery lecturer, and she's now postgraduate researcher and lead midwife. She was also in the Royal Navy previously. I'm not sure she's going to mention that. Um, very firmly committed to education and clinical practice. So she's she's really going to illustrate the best of both worlds. She's also a tweeter. And obviously, because she's here, she's in a, an innovative midwife. And she is joined by Samantha or Sam Perry who's a third-year student midwife, University of Southampton. She's also undertaking a little research project as part of her studies, which you will see on your resource list. And she's the Mid Midwifery Society's um, president and a student ambassador. I don't know how she fits all that in at the University of Southampton. She's been a volunteer previous, I think, at, for NICU. She's also first aider, which is very useful around the place and she's also been a speaker at a previous maternity midwifery festival in 2021 i think so a little while back so i'm going to say a big welcome to both dana and sam the screen is now yours <laughs> welcome sue thank you so much for that lovely introduction i've got to live up to it now haven't i <laughs> <laughs> um, hello everyone, um, we're just absolutely delighted to be here. Uh, so I'm Dana Colborn, um, I don't think I can introduce myself better than Sue did, so thank you for that Sue. Uh, I'll hand you over to my younger colleague, um, she is my quick mind, I like to call Sam. So I'm, uh, yeah, Sam Perry, um, yes, do lots of different things. Um, you're right, Sue, I, I don't don't always have time for all of it, but I try my best. And I think if you're going to do something, you know, do it right. And I love student voice. So getting involved in anything that represents and speaks for students is, is at my core. So being a representative for the Student Midwife Forum with the RCM and being president of the Midwifery Society, these are all things that help me spread student voice lovely thank you thank you sam um, so what we are going to share between us is um, a short powerpoint and um, we're going to basically sort of describe the clinic uh, so i can obviously give a practice supervisor um, and a project lead perspective and sam is going to bring the lovely student perspective and we've got some lovely feedback from the women that have attended the, the, the clinic as well so if you just give me a moment i'm just going to quickly share my screen brilliant okay so yeah thank you so much for having us so we're going to be talking about um initiative that actually happened a decade ago um i want to say a big thank you to wendy marsh because she was the brains behind the initial project many moons ago um, when we first trialled it in Portsmouth Hospital Trust along with Bournemouth University. And um, little did I know that it is still very relevant today, but also how hard it is to get a project going in the NHS for a long period of time. Um, and the reason why I've kept going is I really do believe in it, you know, and um, hopefully you will see the benefits as, as we go through this, this PowerPoint and the discussion. So the SMILE Clinic, it actually stands for Student Midwife Integrated Learning Environment. Um, it is in the form of a postnatal clinic and it is a form of CLIP in the form of a student-led clinic. And um, I was uh, lucky enough to, to, to be part of that um, back in 2013 in Portsmouth Hospitals. Um, and again, like I said, 10 years on, I'm at Southampton Hospitals and we've learned a lot along the way. So I would say um, it's evolved. So some of the topics we're going to cover tonight is we're going to introduce you to the Smile Clinic. Uh, we're going to look at the operation of the Smile Clinic. I'm going to give you some statistics from round about September through to January when the pilot project ran. Um, we're going to look at some service user feedback. 
obviously Sam was going to give us some lovely student feedback and her own perspective of being um, one of the very first students in in the project at Southampton. Um, I can share some of the practice supervisor because obviously it's not just me, we work as a team, um, but also some of the benefits and most importantly, the challenges. I think when you're doing a project, it's so easy just to look at the benefits but actually, the challenges is where you learn the most and where you do those improvements. So that is going to be really, really important. And also, we don't know everything, you know, as the service changes, you know, as midwifery changes, the clinic has to evolve alongside that as well. So we're always going to face some challenges. And then hopefully we can take some um, questions um, from various people. So. As I said, the SMILE Clinic is a, is a clip model of learning and it allows students to lead in their learning and the care in a safe space. And that is really, really important. So what we did when we looked at the models, we actually got the idea um, from our American colleagues. It is a model that's used a lot in um, medical students' education, but that is not the primary use. Student-led clinics or free-run clinics came about to actually fill a gap for uninsured people out in the United States and Canada and certain countries that don't have a healthcare system like us. So that was a primary function, really, of student-led clinics. And then it soon became apparent that actually it gave so much more. It was a really educational. A good educational tool. Um, and there's been quite a few studies out there now that have looked at the benefits of students um, and their progression and their confidence um, if they've actually been part of a student-led clinic model of learning. People sometimes get a little bit um, anxious because when we say student-led clinics, they obviously just think that we're going to send a, a bunch of students in that that are not facilitated in any shape or form. And that is absolutely not the case. You know, the, the students are nurtured by a, a qualified midwife that is a practice supervisor and that has got quite a few years experience in the domain that you would perhaps want to set the student-led clinic up. In this instance, we have started uh, with a postnatal clinic. You know, sometimes you have to re um, risk assess the different areas. And, and just see actually at a start of a project, you know, what do we want to do? We probably want to go for a lower risk environment. And, and postnatal was probably the best environment to start that project off in. But um, as, as you'll notice, as we go through um, the PowerPoint, there, there is a lot of flexibility in student-led clinic and the way you can design them. Now, this is a really important aspect of SMILE. It's the ethos of the SMILE clinic. And again, you know, one of the challenges, one that people sometimes didn't quite understand what we were trying to do. It's not just running a clinic. It's not about that. And, and I think this really, really stemmed back from my own personal time as a student. I had a great experience. And I would say the majority of people I worked with as mentors, because they were called mentors back then, um, they were really helpful and really nurturing. However, I did have um, a few episodes where I didn't have very positive experiences. And I really learned from them because when I did go into education, I always remembered how I felt when someone didn't treat me, perhaps how they should have treated me. Um, and what I also observed is that if you provide a really nurturing, kind, respectful and work in partnership, you get the best out of people. You know, people feel safe. They feel psychologically safe to really, you know, ask those questions. There's no such thing as a silly question. I don't know if you want to jump in, Sam, and just have a, a few words. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, that ethos comes through as a student at the Smart Clinic. Um, yeah, as you say, you know, you have positive, mostly experiences with supervisors on placement and every so often you find someone who you can just tell doesn't really want to have a student with them. You know, perhaps he's a student as a burden um, rather than an opportunity to, you know, pass on so much great knowledge. Um, and yeah, you come into the Smart Clinic and I always say to people, it's kind of like walking into a hug. It's it's great. Um 
you know, it's really, it's a lovely environment. As you said, that psychologically safe space and you know that the team are there to support you in everything you do and you feel able to, you know, just push your limits in terms of like what you're able to feel you're comfortable in and, you know, you know that you've got that safety net. You know that, you you know, if you're not sure of something, you're going to go ask someone because you know they're not going to judge you for that. They're not going to say something funny about it. They're not going to, they're just going to help you. That's great. Yeah, and, you know, it was really important because I think one thing I've noticed in my time in midwifery, there's with the student and being a registered midwife, there can be a feeling of a real sort of authoritative hierarchy. Um, And again, I don't think you get the best out of people. Obviously, there has to be a structure. You know, there has to be leaders. There has to be managers. However, I also think that, you know, the majority of our students are mature students coming through the door. They come with an array of experience. Um, And also, you know, I just feel that a lot of what they know is transferable to midwifery care. Um, and the profession and I and I really sort of want to unpick that and but also they will teach me as much as I can teach them so you know partnership is really really important Um, and and that's quite a strict ethos you know so so the right practice supervision is crucial um, in this in the smile clinic it's not just about running a postnatal clinic so how does the smile clinic operate well Again, this can be flexible. So if you're out there and you're thinking, oh, okay, I quite like this idea, you know, um, it can be adaptable and fit into different types of services. So at the moment, it runs um, Monday to Friday. So this is this is the, the information from our pilot study, um, nine o'clock to um, five o'clock. And we're working from the New Forest Birth Centre at the moment. So we have stunning views over the forest. We often have New Forest ponies walking past. Um, it is a beautiful location, especially for women to come and see us and perhaps have a little bit of TLC as well. There's usually four students, mixed ability um, per placement. They have a two-week placement with us. Um, We have two rooms. So we have two clinical rooms that we can see women in. And we also have um, part of a ward that we've made a little breastfeeding hub. um, And, well, infant feeding hub, shall I say, because everyone is welcome. We're very, very inclusive. And they can come if they're having any feeding issues um, and we look after them. Uh, with providing obviously some lovely BFI information. Um, We make them a cup of tea, they have a biscuit, you know, they really, really do get cared for. Um, And we we just really speak to them and, and take a real interest in how they're feeling after they've had their baby. So as you can see, you know, we do have capacities to see quite a few women. Okay. And the beauty of that is the fact that we have got more bodies around. But Everything, everything that is happening in the smile clinic, every woman that comes in um, will come in perhaps um, with some different issues, challenges. So the learning opportunities are huge. Um, And the, the problem that we were seeing was the fact that the maternity support workers were taking vast amounts of our postnatal care. Um, and I remember, you know, and this this isn't just recent, this has been going on for years and years. Um, and I thank them for that because at the time the workload was absolutely huge. But the challenge on from that was the fact that students were not getting routine postnatal care opportunities. So we started seeing students with really low EU numbers that they have to have, as you well know. Um, and we were a bit like well, bemused by that because when I trained, it was very easy to get lots of um, routine postnatal care opportunities. So, you know, this was a big driver for the educational focus um, of the Smile Clinic a, a, as well. And it gives students a lot of different opportunities in in how we care for women and babies in the postnatal period. Um, Like I said, we can carry out extra tasks uh, like infant feeding support. Um, We have a little bit more time for other assessments. um, So we could do some mental health assessments, work with the multidisciplinary team. um, And also we can do telephone calls so we can check up on women that perhaps don't need to come in or home visit. But they can um, actually we can just check up on them on the phone as well. So let's talk statistics. 
So uh, in a pilot project, you know, people always like to see the numbers. Um, and, and this is just a, a small sample, really. Um, so this is from um, the September um, up to January 2023. So uh, by this time, we were 10 weeks in operation if you take out some, some leave. And as you can see, I'm not going to read all of them out that you can see how many women we saw, um, you know, the babies that were weighed, the newborn blood spots that were taken, um, babies that needed, you know, some active assessing for jaundice, um, infant support, um, and also women that needed emotional support. And because COVID had happened, postnatal care had really changed. Um, and I think a lot of people started seeing phone calls as the norm, you know, no face-to-face -face contact. And, and it was like, just because we'd been doing it, it was the right thing to do. When actually, when we started the project, we soon realised that it wasn't the right thing to do. These women needed contact. You know, they they needed face-to-face -face contact um, with health professionals. They needed, you know, just that support, that emotional support um, and being in a safe space where they could talk and they could be looked after. Also, what we started to see is that there were some babies that had significant weight loss round about at day eight and nine, which I hadn't really come across in my career as a community midwife because we were seeing them so regular. We tend to pick really up really quickly. Um, and that was a worry. And I think that was the hangover from COVID as well, where there was lack of breastfeeding support in particular um, but also just lack of contact um, to the, the health professionals to the women as well um, what it also gives is um, it gives the students um, a real opportunity to work in a collaborative manner with other health professionals as well so we do a lot of um, collaborative work um, in the smile clinic as well so Sam I'm going to hand over to you for some student feedback if that's okay Love this stuff. Oh, you didn't put my blood spot on there, though, did you? It probably was <laughs> yours, Sam, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that, uh, there's a the photo of uh, a newborn blood spot test. And, you know, it's little things like, you know, trying to take the neatest newborn blood spot test and uh, a little competition over the two weeks between the four students, um, you know, which I won in my two weeks. We'll just put that, put that out there. Um, I got my little proud peacock badge and, and it's things like that, little celebrations um, and, you know, challenges to set us, you know, um, such small things that can just really make you focus on a task. And I just absolutely loved working at the Smile Clinic. It was, it was an incredible opportunity to consolidate all my postnatal kind of skills. I was really lucky that I'd done a continuity of care, a pilot scheme the year before. So I actually had been out with MSWs in the community doing checks and things, but some of the, my fellow students had been on the postnatal awards and they hadn't seen women at day five and at day, you know, they'd seen a few at day three, but they'd seen barely any at day five or at day eight or nine um, or at 10 or 11, you know, they hadn't really done that further postnatal care. And I think that's sometimes when a woman's almost come out of that fog of post-birth and things settle and, they realize questions they have and you know they, they they're like oh actually no they are still asking me if I have any questions about this thing and I, I do have questions and a lot more comes up at that point and the, the birth center setting you know the just slightly less medicalized feel um and you know it's just so nice and calm and we we're able to take that time with the women to really find out what they need um yeah it was really fantastic to be able to do it and you know to be able to try and think about managing a clinic as well so not only just going, right, okay, you're in here today and, you know, here's some patients, off you go. Um, it's, you know, this is your structure for the day. It was actually, you know, we need to build a clinic list. Um, we need to have a look into their notes before they all come for the day. It's all the administrative tasks that we would be doing as practitioners ourselves when we qualify that you don't think about in advance. You know, you don't think about necessarily all these extra bits that go into it. And we were there and encouraged and supported through that to be able to learn how to do it and by the end of even the first week, we were absolutely bossing it. We were having a great time. You know, we kind of come in and get on with our clinic lists and be able to search it. And it just really build our confidence. Um, I haven't heard a single dot of negativity about the Smile Clinic from any of my cohort um, or from the years below. They've all absolutely loved it. Um, and I think it's flexible for not only third years. Um, you know, myself for a third year, I've done quite a few postnatal 
checks, but, you know, certainly still had a lot to take off. Um, as Dana said, you know, it's sometimes hard to get those numbers. And, um, you know, by the end of the smile placement, I'd ticked all my numbers off. Um, you know, I was definitely done um, there. So it was, you know, fabulous to be able to do that. But the second and, you know, first years have said how interesting it is to get that insight into those postnatal experiences. And also see just some not like normal postnatal, you know, we get some postnatal ward experience. And sometimes, you know, our women who perhaps go home just after they've had, you know, the four hour post um pre and post sats, you know, they go home four hours post-birth or six hours post-birth. And, you know, you're not going to see those people on the ward. So nice, low-risk women and their low-risk babies, we're not necessarily seeing those on placements in the wards. And sometimes when we're out with the MSWs, that's our higher-risk social women, you know, with the you know, extra support teams um, and continuity teams. So, you know, this is just a really lovely opportunity to see what normal is a little bit and give us that baseline of normal. Um, so that then when we did pick it up, you know, on those days, I remember we had one day where we had, um, I think, a jaundice referral and two extra low birth weight referral, uh, extra low weight referrals in one day. And we thought it all kind of come on us on one day. But, um, you know, it was just it was really evident when it came up because, you know, it, we saw it and we're like, actually, no, this isn't normal. We, you know, we know all this equipment works. We know everything's fine. And we knew that we had to do those referrals and we were encouraged to do those referrals ourselves. Um, you know, again, experiencing how to do those referrals, how to make those phone calls to certain teams and say, can I check this through with you? Rather than just, oh, yeah, no worries, I'll call them. You know, it's everything was really, the onus was put on us building our learning and we were encouraged if there was a gap, what do you want to learn about? What do we want to be doing? And we just had fun. It was, you know, it was really good. Um, yeah, I just, I can't speak enough for it. It's absolutely something that, that should be integrated, I feel, across universities, across the country. It's um, a fantastic way of learning. So, yeah. Oh, thank you, Sam. Thank you. And that's what we're striving to do. You know, that's what we're striving to do. We want the students to have a really meaningful experience, but we want to, to make it a little bit fun. You know, we want them to make it memorable, you know, so, you know, they carry on those, you know, those those lovely behaviours in care you know, when they become qualified practitioners as well. It's really, really important. Um, you know, hopefully we, you know, we also lead by example and we encourage the students to start thinking about what they want to be like when they're practice supervisors as well, especially the third years. So we sort of segregate it into first, second and third years. Um, you know, first years, it's an introduction to postnatal care. The second years, we're sort of pushing the boundaries a little bit getting them to think about managing, getting them to think about the more complex cases. So I try and align it perhaps with the curriculum that they're learning at university as well. Um, and also the third years, we definitely want to push them towards a little bit more leadership. You know, they have that, that year as a preceptorship and then they become band six, which has an element of leadership within it. So, so hopefully, you know, they, they will feel more prepared we do a lot of work as well with the, the wider team in the practice education. So I work with a lovely midwife called Jen Lancaster, who is the preceptorship midwife. So she's looking at preceptorships now. She feeds back to me, Dana, actually, you know, what the, some of the students have, or the new preceptorships are finding difficult. If I can try and implement something in the smile clinic, I will do that. So perhaps make those um, students a little bit more confident when they hit um, a qualification. Um, and also a lovely midwife called Dan Fremantle, who does workforce planning as well. So she's looking at retention. And that's really important as well. So this is this is not just standalone, you know, this is part of the bigger picture. And we're very keen to sort of feed in and do our bit to to try and help the service as a whole, really. Um, service user feedback has been phenomenal. Um, we have had 99% rated it excellent, which was which was the top, um, and 1% rated it very, very good. And they all felt well cared for. They felt that they were given respect and dignity. They loved the information given. Um, and there was no negative feedback, which... Um, was just absolutely delightful you know so we must be doing something right also what I did I did a little bit of thematic analysis you know from those feedbacks <laughs> we like the, the little bit of an academic came out in me Sue um and 
you know, what the service users were saying, that they loved the information given, the communicating of care. They they all sort of said we were so really friendly but professional. So that sort of lent it to that professional friend that you hear a lot of midwives being called, validating feelings and experiences. They felt listened to, which was really, really important. And they felt that we cared because we do. We do care about their experience um, and that we understood. We understood what they were saying to us. Um, and then from then, if, if some people did need that extra support, we could signpost them and we could do the um, appropriate referrals as well. So again, not going to read all of this out, but this was just some of the feedback that we had from the women um, so when the women do get discharged from the smile clinic to go back into the community to the health visitor, they all get a certificate thanking them for being part of the student um, journey, learning journey. And they are absolutely thrilled and they get a sticker as well. So it's baby's first ever certificate. Um, we include dad, mum, partner and baby. Um, they get a lovely certificate saying thank you because without them, the students wouldn't be able to learn. So it is it is very much um again like a little collaborative little community of practice um and they are very much part of it and we and you know we we do really want to thank them for for that um the students also um get a certificate you know to put into their portfolio saying that they've participated in a placement in a student-led clinic um, and as Sam said, we have a couple of little competitions. We always have the best blood spot. We have the Proud Peacock Award um, for, for that excellence in um, clinical technique, as we call it. <laughs> and as you could see, um, that was an absolutely superb newborn blood spot test. And we see them all the time in the smile clinic. <laughs> so, yeah, we have high standards. We have absolutely high standards. <clears throat> and, and also, you know, from the practice supervisor feedback is... Um, I work alongside two fantastic midwives, Sean Fitzpatrick and Penny Newell. And the reason why we like to have a few midwives running it in the week is that it gives students different practice supervision styles. OK, because they are going to work with lots of different people. Um, and, and also, I, I just think, you know, from a practice supervisor, you learn a lot from your colleagues as well as the students. And I think it keeps us fresh. There's new ideas coming in. Um, and I think that's really, really important um, not to remain stagnant. You know, we don't want to cruise. This needs to develop and evolve every step of the way. But I just want to say, you know, it's been an absolute pleasure from my perspective. I feel that it's a real privilege to share knowledge and learning with the next generation of midwives. Um, I had a great experience and I want every single one of the students that comes through the Smile Clinic to have a great experience too. A couple of benefits and challenges. OK, again, as you can see, you know, the benefits is the learning. You know, this is an a project is all about education. It's educationally focused. It's not about bridging gaps in staffing, you know, um, and I'm really blessed that Emma Northover, our, our director of midwifery, had that vision. She's made that very clear. She was on side, you know, when we um, delivered this presentation. Um, so everyone that is behind the Smile Clinic knows its primary function is education. OK. Um, and, you know, we've got some quite strong characters that really safeguard that, put those boundaries in place. The students come first. And the reason the students come first is because if we deliver good education to students, they will deliver excellence in care. You know, that's how it how it rolls on. If we don't teach students, you know, quality care. And, and postnatal care, as we know, has suffered for many years, um, then the women won't get it. Uh, some of the challenges that we've had is change management. Uh, anyone that's probably um, undertook a project, trying to get people on side. And also, you know, from doing it from the root ground, the ground from the root upwards is quite difficult. You do need perhaps a senior manager on side to really sort of help that project along. So we, we've had, you know, it's been quite tricky because I'm not a senior manager. It's been quite tricky over the years to be able to do that. Um, obviously, you know, there's sometimes gaps in the service when students are off. We have to think a little bit about differently about that. 
Um, and at the moment, it's only being offered in, in one sort of area placement and, and probably one of our biggest problems, you know, for is funding. You know, it, it is all about the funding. It, it's it's making sure that there is a midwife, but it is absolutely cost effective because we see a lot more women because we can. So one midwife can cover two clinics with the students so we can double the amount of women that we're seeing. We have the bodies to do that. Um, and um, that's been quite evident in our postnatal care, hence some of the beautiful feedback that we're getting. So it is working. And the future of SMILE. So it is flexible. It is absolutely flexible. It has a flexibility to move to different locations. It works around um, the wider service, whatever that looks right. You know, it's so um, I, I think it, if you're thinking about can I give it a go in my service, I would definitely start with perhaps a postnatal clinic, something a little bit lower key, um, and then and then work up. Um, it's adaptable. Um, it can be adapted to different roles and responsibilities. So, you know, we could think about antenatal clinics, booking clinics, parent education, breastfeeding groups. Um, and hopefully even one day, as they have in the States, they have dedicated education units um, that that students run like a mini hospital, really. Um, it's 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 quite phenomenal. Some of the things that they've they've picked up from in the States as well. As I said, the core value of SMILE must remain in education. Um, and and, you know, like I said, I don't want to keep repeating it, but I feel so strongly if we get the education right, these these midwives will deliver first class care for our for our lovely women that deserve it. And I think even more so now I've got a daughter that is 15. You know, it won't be long. It, perhaps in the next 10 years, she could be, you know, in the system. Um, she's the next childbearing cohort. Um, and I would only want the very best for her. Uh, and I think that we are collectively in a position that we can be a real advocate for education and keep our profession on the right lines. So that's the end of the presentation. <laughs> well, I think there are some questions coming in. Is there? So, oh, that's really good. That's really good. So Dana and Sam, thank you so much. That was really fascinating on several different levels, actually. I loved the walking into a hug. I love that feeling because that really says how safe and not just safe, but loving the, the, the relationship is, which is lovely because if people like the students and the midwives are feeling like that, women and their families are going to also feel like that, which is fantastic. And the other sort of things that were coming through to me were things like collaboration and working together, which is so important and fantastic and came over so beautifully now i know we've had a few we've had a few comments and a few questions um coming in coming in through for you so um i think one one uh, comment there was a comment rather than a question um from sinead thomas now i'm audience i'm looking away from you for a minute because you're coming up on my other screen so <laughs> please forgive me for that sinead Sinead says, I do find it quite interesting that you struggle to get your postnatal EU numbers as most of us finish those in mid-second year at my university, but I'm glad you found such a positive solution which sounds to be working really well. And I think that underlines that every area is going to be slightly different. I know in your area you used a lot of the postnatal care did go rather than purely midwifery into the maternity care support workers which I think, Dana, you explained, but yeah. I don't know if you wanted to say anything further to that about the numbers, because presumably Sam and her colleagues are now gathering up their numbers beautifully. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head, Sue, really, in the fact that every, every service around the country will work slightly differently um, and they will have different pots of money. And, um, you know, it, it depends, obviously, the demographics, you know, how many you know, the population as as, as well. Um, what we were finding is that the, the students were getting postnatal, but it tends to be higher risk postnatal mm. care on the wards. And it wasn't routine postnatal care. And if you think of, I always think, if you look at the definition of a midwife, it's with women. Mm. But our, you know, our expertise is low risk, isn't it? 
you know, it's low risk. When things start getting high risk, then we refer them on to our, our medical colleagues. Um, but I think it's great if Sinead can, um, to, you know, her area, you know, she's get, getting lots. But yeah, in, in our areas, um, a couple of the trusts that I've worked with down here, um, I would say the majority of routine postnatal care did get handed over mm. to the maternity support workers. And I just want to say, Sue, they did a fantastic job. They have done a fantastic job. Um, and when the smile came along and we took some of that back, um, you know, I think some of them felt quite hurt. You know, that was one of the challenges. And I could yeah. really understand that. I could, you know, because they were given something and they have pride in what they do and they like what they do. Yeah. So, um, you know, and, and you know, we said that we're not taking it away. We're just working in partnership. But the students, it's a necessity for them to have that learning. Well, it's a necessity for us as midwives to keep that expertise. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that's, I guess that's the difficulty of balancing when you're giving some tasks to some others that you keep a good chunk of it for yourselves to keep that expertise. So, I mean, it's a it's an interesting area, isn't it? But oh, absolutely, uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've got a question now from Ooh. Juliet. Juliet Samuel, midwife in Essex. Hi, Juliet. She's a regular with us. And she says, how do you risk assess your clients for the clinic attendance? And do, do all students, do all students, or is it primarily for third year students? I think it was may have been because I think you said all ability at the beginning. All abilities. You? Yes. So, um, Juliet, that's a great question. Thank you for asking that. Um, it's it is for all, mixed abilities, but we would only if we only had first years out, we'd only run one clinic. Um, so we obviously risk assess um the, their abilities really um mm. we we work with a wider team we have um uh, postnatal coordinators which are a group of senior midwives that coordinate all the postnatal care around the whole of the service okay so they sort of screen women that would need to come to see us I manage the students from the other end so it's peer-to-peer -peer learning so that's one of the big learning strategies that we use within the smile clinic so a third year would be paired with a first year a second year would go with the third year first years if they were by themselves, they would always be with a practice supervisor. So the practice supervisor would run the clinic and the, and the first years would be observing and then gently coming in to, to, to um, you know, to develop some of those roles, giving them some independence in to, in to do that. But that would be direct supervision. So, yeah, it is a mixture of years. Um, bearing in mind, our third years are going to be qualifying. So, again, when you look at the timing of when they're third and second and first years, you would adapt how much supervision they would need. Um, so that's how we sort of risk assess it. And we're all senior midwives. OK, we're not going to let people do things that they're not capable of doing. You know, safety, patient safety is always at the centre of everything that we do. Mm. And actually, uh, just as a query for Sam, I'm, I'm imagining from the way that that's been described, it's a very gen a kind of a really good way of coming in and getting used to going and asking one of your colleagues for a second opinion, as it were. I don't know whether it's... Absolutely. I might be putting, I'm not putting words in your mouth. So. No, 100%. 100% it is. It's, um, it's as I say, I, I did the Smart Clinic as a third year, and um, I was just at the beginning of my third year, but I'd had some postnatal experience already. Um, and that's the really good thing as well with that kind of risk assessing, uh, that, that first introduction to the clinic you sit down with the team and you discuss what your experience is so far coming into this what your level of comfort is would you like someone in the room with you when you're doing your clinic would you rather I was just here waiting for you to come to me you know I'm here if you need me what would you like to do and generally as third years you know we're saying actually I yeah, know I think I'd like to give it a try I think I'll be all right and I'll go in with my mate you know we'll partner up and we'll both be in the same room so that we've got another student to check something with if I half forget something and then if it, neither of us are sure 100% we feel comfortable going around and be like you know what and I used to say at the beginning of the thing you know my name is Sam student midwife third year um you know this is my colleague and I'm the third year and um you know just to let you know we have Dana registered midwife she's on site today should there be anything I'm not at all sure with I will pop and check with her and just reassuring the woman that you know we know that we have our own you know sphere of practice we have our own limitations and that we stick comfortably within that you know that's that's something we need to do um so yeah we're absolutely encouraged to do that and feel comfortable to do that 
And I'm also I'm also thinking some of these women watching that learning might actually be interested in becoming midwives themselves. It's a fantastic kind of uh, nurturing experience, I think. Well, so that's you know that's one thing we could do a recruitment program. (laughs) (laughs) The end of the thing. How how did you find the Smile Clinic, and would you like to be a midwife? Well, it's just because you get you get women who come in to become midwives either because they've had a bad experience or a great experience as a mum. So I think their experience might be, oh, 99.9% positive in here, as you were describing. But but they all but they all they absolutely all get assessed. So we go in with them at the begin yeah. very beginning that first week, um, so we mm-hmm. can gauge abilities etc. Et mm-hmm. um, but I I can honestly say I have been absolutely amazed. I don't know if it's because I'm getting older. I've been absolutely <laughs> amazed by how quick um, you know our younger students are as well. Even the first years, we by the second week they are absolutely fantastic they're asking the right questions they're learning you know um they do like i said lots of peer-to-peer learning as as well collaborative learning experiential learning learning by doing as we know um works really really well such a safe space that anyone can ask anything there's no such thing as a silly question because we forget things sometimes um we have great resources with policies um it is absolutely safe. Everything we do is all about safety. Um, and, and the students um, completely and utterly understand that as well. Fabulous. OK, I'm going to get on to the next question. But Juliet, thank you for that question. Yeah, that's fantastic. OK, and we've got oh, Christine. Christine is a very clever student or midwife. I think a student because she's saying, would there be opportunities for elective placements in the SMILE clinic? Now, this has come up, uh, Christine. So, yeah, again, a lovely question. And um, and some of our colleagues from other trusts um, have been asking. And it's some, definitely something we're, we're, we're working on. Um, I, I would like to see some elective placements coming in um, because I would like um, I would like all students to have this experience, really. You know, like I said, over the over the last 10 years, there's there's been quite a few students that have gone through the smile model um, and, you know, the feedback has been phenomenal for them. And a lot of them still talk about it today. In fact, I think one of your lecturers, um, the lovely Claire, uh, at Southampton she was one of our first students in, initially in, in Portsmouth to come through the smile and you know she's an avid um, fan of collaborative learning in practice so yes it's definitely something we're looking at Christine so fingers crossed um, if we can make some more space then wow. I would welcome with open arms fabulous so I could I could foresee there might be midwives and students interested in doing a little bit yeah, of a, we we've a had talk. a lot of in we've had a lot of interest i had um one of the medical directors saying he would like his medical students to come through <laughs> oh my goodness uh, he wants <laughs> he said he wants them to develop communication and relationship building with pregnant wow. you know with women and um but like he wants them to be a big part of it and he thinks that midwives do that really really well of course and sam you wanted to say something sorry yeah no that's right i was just going to say um you know as well if you know because if, if that's something you feel passionate about in terms of this model of learning that's the great thing as well you know go to your university and say I've seen this working you know why aren't we doing this here I would mm. love to go do this as an elective but actually why isn't this a thing here and and you know this model of learning can work elsewhere um you just need to let people know it's a possibility and you never know like go and feed it back you know you can only try that's a really good point, Sam, actually. So, Christine, yeah, Christine go back yeah. to the university and, and just you share what you've been hearing and, and suggest it. Because, again, people are really interested in doing different things to help students to do this sort of thing. Fabulous. OK, now we've got uh, a comment, another comment. This is Lisa Jane Joyce. Hi, Lisa Jane. This would be amazing for antenatal education clinics, as we know this is lacking post-COVID. Absolutely so. Because I think your point, Dana, about having different, trying different things was a really good one. Absolutely. And I know Lisa. I know Lisa from my Navy days. We were Ah. in the Navy together. So hi, Lisa. 
this is, this is, question. this is what I love about midwifery. It's such a warm, small world, isn't it? Fantastic. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like. Uh, yes, I just think I'm so glad she's here because um, I hear that she's absolutely doing fabulous on her midwifery course and it won't be long before she's qualified. Well done to you then, Lisa Jane. Great. Okay. Sorry, part Sam. Of the, uh, the, part of the COVID cohort here. So, like, you know, I started when COVID first kicked off and absolutely we've missed out on doing antenatal education and yeah. being part of it. And so many of our women say about it and miss it too. I'd love to run antenatal education sessions mm. and be encouraged to do so. That's a great model that it could be useful for sure. Yeah. Fabulous. Okay. Uh, and then I've got uh, da, 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 Jerry Hottam. I hope I pronounced that correctly, Jerry. There's, could you explain a bit about how you liaise with the university and placement facilitators? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, a great question because, you know, we 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 have to have a great partnership. Um, I'm really blessed that um, I work very closely with a colleague, Claire, who's the senior lecturer at Southampton. Um, she sends me off duties. We, we have regular meetings. Um, so I know all the students when they're coming in, um, they've actually made it a placement. Uh, and they did the same at Portsmouth with Bournemouth University. So, you know, it's very, very easy if you've got someone um, that wants to take a little bit of time to do that from clinical practice. Um, usually the universities pick up on the benefits of student learning very, very quickly um, and they make it happen. Um, but it's all about good communication, you know, all those lovely skills that we have as midwives, um, working in partnership, team working. Um, yeah, Claire lets us know if there's any problems. We let her know if there's any problems. You know, obviously, every now and then we have a little blip, but we have a great relationship. Fabulous. Thank you very much. OK, we've got another uh, Beth Harkness who says, apologies if I missed this, but how long did it take for you to get the Smile Clinic up and running? So I joined Southampton at the end of July um, and I actually was brought on board to do some work with um, student capacity and expansion. Um, as you well know, you know, we've got a chronic shortage. So they're thinking about, you know, how, you know, training a, a lot more sort of nurses and midwives. Um, you know, we talked about the smile because we knew that it had, it had worked before. Um, and I was asked to take that on. So we had it up and running in mid by mid-September. Wow. That's fast work. Yes, it was. It was quick. But because we've done it before, mm. we'd learned so much, Sue, you know, and this is what I was talking about, the ch those challenges, you know, they're, they're so important, the challenges, because you learn so much. Um, so this time it was a lot easier. But, there, you know, there has been some hiccups along the way. And again, we're adding to that pot of, you know, that de the development and knowing what the right thing to do, because each service is slightly different. No, it's fabulous. Fabulous. OK, now I've got uh, blah, 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 blah. Sylvia. Hi, Sylvia says, I'm a first year student. How can I participate in the smile clinic outside my placements? I think that's a similar point to earlier with Christine. Yeah, so it is. University. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's about it's about taking those ideas and I think sometimes I think in the NHS and perhaps education we need to be a little bit more receptive do some mm. active listening of of some of this these sort of ideas that students and perhaps other members of staff are coming up with um be because mm. I think sometimes it can get very dismissed because people are busy um, but actually, there's sometimes little gems, little gems that that could transform either learning or clinical practice. So I do think, you know, as a profession, we need to have open ears, open ears and, and take those time to listen to those um, those new ideas coming through. So I would say, take it to your trust, take it to the university and say, have a look at this. Could we do something like it? You know, be bold, have a voice, ask. People can only say no. Fabulous. Thank you. That's fabulous. Now we've got, uh, so I hope you're happy with that, Sylvia. Okay, comment rather than a question. And this is from Juliet Samuel again. Great initiative. We've just commenced a monthly student-led antenatal class. 
for local women at the university due to yeah. a lack of provision in the locality. Yeah. Well, supervision Good. is given by clinical and academic staff, which is a lovely partnership. Bab, yes. Helps to support the challenges in placement capacity. Um, and that's and Jane Jane Marshall says also great initiative. I think. Oh no, I think this is this must be Jane and Jane and Juliet saying this together. Thank you for that. Um, and then we've got. Uh, does the program? This is Juliet again. Does the program have a specific skills document, or is it incorporated within the program skill set? And I'm wondering if that's linking into the Mora that we talked about last week. Yeah, so um, again, um, because I have some knowledge of um, curriculum and and the Mora standards, um, yeah, everything we, we do will have. So, so what we tend to do is um, we have a little conflab. The students, they do directed, uh, you know, learning what they want. Mm. So they tell me what they want. I have a, a you know, a great um, appreciation of the Mora document. So, um, you know, I can sort of help and signpost them, but it's to get them thinking about what they need. So to build their, you know, their competence in actually searching in the book okay what could you know could this skill or competency you know be signed off here so I don't jump in straight away and tell them what they need to do um it's all about them trying to tell me what they need so that's what we try and nurture really but yeah I have a great appreciation of of the curriculum and again we work I work very closely with Claire at the university um so we can always have those conversations yeah, and just I was just wondering actually about it because we were talking about the examination newborn last week. I'm assuming that in the, the this clinic, you're able to do a lot of the um, holistic examination newborn as well, and help students to get that expertise as well as postnatal examinations. Well, we could do so. Not at the moment. We don't do that at the moment because they do that in oh, okay. place you know, oh. in this particular trust, yeah. but it could be something that we could think about at, in the future, especially yeah. if we were to move into the main hospital setting. Um, but yeah, we, we you can run it however you want. However, you just need to be mindful that you have enough practice supervision. Absolutely. You know, and we've obviously got the right training because a lot of the younger midwives or, you know, starting off their career, they are coming out with NIPE training where a lot of the older midwives don't necessarily have that qualification. Okay. Yeah, because so, we have it. Yeah, we have yeah there's, a little, there's a little bit of a, a gap at the, at, at the moment. Yeah, that's fabulous. Thank you. Now we're coming, we get, we're veering towards the end, but I've got um, one more uh, that I'm going to try and squeeze in, which is Banash. Uh, Nazmin. Hi, Banash. And she says, what are the demographics you're caring for and how do you embed equity in care and in training for diverse experts by experience, i.e. service users and students? That's a great, um, great question, Sam. Well, it would be from Banash. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is think, a great um, question. So in terms of diversity care in our trust we have um needing extra support teams known as nest teams um and with the better births when we found out about five times more um in terms of um women from minor ethnicities and social backgrounds having high risk risks of in um you know morbidity and mortality in pregnancy in the postnatal period those teams took on women from those backgrounds so they have a continuity of care plan so they would be seen by their midwives and the oh, MSWs okay. who work very closely with those teams. So um, normally within this clinic, it's our women who are outside of those high risk environments. Um, however, you know, it's not to say that there can, again, be something linked in with a nest team embedding perhaps student day where they did, you know, a student postnatal clinic day. Um, but obviously, currently, we, we know that continuity of carer provides better outcomes for people from these backgrounds. So that's why we're doing it that way at the moment. Um, but certainly, uh, you know, we see we do see people from different backgrounds in the clinic, people who um, perhaps, you know, aren't within those specific um, ethnicities. But we see people from, you know, white backgrounds who um, who are coming into us, but have perhaps a recent migrants to the country. 
um, or don't speak very good English. Um, you know, these are all people that can still be very low risk in terms of their care, but we see them. And so we see those complexities coming through. And also, you know, we see mental health coming through a lot as well, a lot of complex mental health coming through. Um, you know, it's, it's things where sometimes, you know, we need to make sure we're identifying and talking about mental health with these people because, you know, they're, they're, if they are coming from these backgrounds or perhaps we assume everything's low risk and fine. And actually we're having these in-depth discussions with them, getting to know them because I saw them on day three. I'm now seeing them on day five. And I know they told me on day three, they had a really horrible night and they were feeling really weepy. I'm going to check in on them on day five. And it's like a mini continuity period mm, yeah. um, with the Smile Clinic. Uh, you know, if you see someone on the list that you saw a few days ago, they're kind of they're your, your person, you know, you'll, you'll go and, and, and help them, um, you know, and then you'll see them again day eight. And and I think that's actually, Sam, thank you so much, because that really reinforces the continuity. That is lovely that because I'm seeing how this works and how and I'm sure that anyone who's watching is getting a much better understanding and thinking, hopefully, of ways you could integrate it into your own service, maybe thinking about different ways of using this model, because it's a really good one. And it's it's a kind of it's kind of like an apprenticeship going right back to the history of midwifery. And I have that very much in my mind for some other different reasons, which I'll share with you next series, <laughs> series 10. But I, I want to say a huge, huge thank you to Dana and to Sam for joining us this evening. It's been fantastic because, I mean, it's like our lovely audience who come up with fantastic questions and comments as always. And what a fantastic way to finish our series nine. And we will come back, <laughs> but we are having a little bit of a holiday next week and uh, next couple of weeks. So we're going to be back, I think, on the something like the 26th of April. And we're going to be looking, I think that week that we're coming back, we're going to be looking at Entonox because that's been in the news. So we've got that, that to look forward to. And I want to say a big thanks to Dana again and Sam and also to Amy, who's in the background, making sure everything works beautifully. And to Paul, who's looking after all the questions coming in and Deborah, who's looking after all the making sure it all gets out in social media. So big thank you to everybody. And to every to our lovely audience, thank you for joining us this week. And in the future, you'll have your resources available on the website. And for those of you who like the podcast at six o'clock in the morning on Friday, it'll be there. And don't forget to book if you're coming to Ireland uh, in the 18th of April or to the Midlands in Leicester on the 16th of May. Fantastic program, I must say. And I have to say, I have to say a fond farewell. Look after yourselves, especially, and we'll see you soon. Thank you for joining us for the Maternity and Midwifery Hour. This podcast has been made possible by the team at Maternity and Midwifery Forum and our CPD partners, Matflix. You can sign up at matflix.co.uk.